difference between what it means to be good when you're trying to be epic. Uh, no, you don't gotta believe in me. Nothing can stop me. I already said it. I'm taking everything they stole from us. You got your problems. I'm a whole nother. I'm giving people something to believe in. I'ma show them freedom like a bow cutter. We gon' fight back. Yeah. We breaking chains over here. Yeah. You can stay over there. Welcome back, everyone, to its last call. Last call with the alcohol only on it is the Blue Wire Hustle Network. And now join me on the line. This man here will be fighting. It'll be May 7th. We'll be taking on Omar Hussein at Bell Tour 258. Well, he's been chomping at the bit. He wants to get back on the winning ways. I'm uh, still pissed off about his last fight. A lot of people thought, you know, he won. Some people thought he lost. It was still a great fight. I give you once again one of the top ranked welterweights in Bellator. I give you it's the Storm himself, Logan Starley. Uh, Logan, so you, Omar Hussein, um, just how how sure you're just looking, looking forward to getting back into the cage and just you know starting a new win streak? Yeah, no, for sure. I'm excited to get back in there. It's kind of been uh, <laughs> changed a def- couple different opponents, and this is uh, this is the one that we're going to fight. So. You know, at this point, I'm just happy to happy to get back in there and compete again. And that's really, you know, in this sport, that's important to just stay active. So break down Omar Hussein. Like, what, when you or your team has sort of looking, looked at him, like, what does he bring to the table? You know, he's probably pretty good grappling because he is from Team Alpha now. But what kind of fighter is he? Uh, he switches stances, you know, orthodox, southpaw. He's long. It's a little bit longer. He's got some tricky tricky chokes so those are the kind of things that um you know you look into and kind of see where where he transitions and does he have anything sneaky but you know he's a he's a tough guy and like i said he switches stances a little bit and he, he's he's good everywhere when you have a guy like that who switches stances and tries to you know get tricky here you know maybe try you know sort of you know uh you know, rope you into going for a double leg takedown, catch, catch, you know, catch your, your, uh, either your, you know, neck or something like that. How big is it? You know, literally on. Okay, I gotta be. I gotta make sure I'm in a good position. I gotta make sure that I don't get, you know, lazy because we see what happens when guys do that, and all of a sudden they get in trouble. Yeah, uh, you know, most of it is just you stick to the spots that you're good. You you win the small positions. Um, you set the pace and, and you go over, you know, you, you implement the game plan that you spent uh, weeks or just, you know, really it just comes down to basics and, and you know where to put your head, where not to put your head. And if you get stuck in those positions, we've, we've drilled them, the defense behind them. And so really to me, it's just, you got to worry about you and, and you got to make sure that you don't put yourself in, in silly situations. We're going to go back to this fight in a bit. Take me back to the last fight. It was you versus Yaroslav Amoslav. Uh, fantastic fight, as I said. One of the best, I'd say, pure just grappling fights I've seen in a while. What made him dangerous? I mean, you look when you look back, and when I know in the first round he had some trouble. Second round he's tossed. The third round was yours. What was it about his style and everything that made you go, okay, crap, I'm going to be a little more – on my game like what made him so tough to take down early on he's good with single leg defense it keeps you low um and then you know first round nothing really happened i was in on in on you know all the shots and i scored you know one or two takedowns and he got a little reverse takedown or reversal for a second 
and I got out right away, um, which I felt like I set the pace and I, I, uh, I just didn't finish them, you know, but I was the one going forward and he, he has very good single leg defense and second, you know, second round was, he's also good when you get behind him, he brings his, he goes to tripod position. He's slippery there, made a few little mistakes. Um, but, you know, like I said, it was a back and forth fight. I scored four, four or five takedowns. You know, he had two. Um, I had, <coughs> had the rear naked in in the third, you know, knocked his mouthpiece out in the second, hit him with the uppercut, you know. But he's, he's a competitor, and, and he, me and him have very similar styles. And, um, you know, he's a little longer, more of the – kickboxing background but um you know it is what it is i'm not going to sit here and and complain about the way it went and you know it's a split decision and obviously i was frustrated and and now he's fighting for the for the belt um which you know would be me in this situation instead but that's the way life goes sometimes so right now i'm i'm worried about may 7th and that's all i can control you know like is is what i do with my next fight and then we'll go from there. So I, I learned a lot and, you know, I'm sure he learned a lot because we both, that was the most I've pushed, you know, really, you know, 15 minutes of that pace. And we are both exhausted at the end, but I found that, that last gear and that third to, to get to those positions and had a rear naked and really should have finished the fight. And I, made a simple mistake of just, you know, not changing the choke over. And um, so I learned a lot from it. So that's what I'm going to take from that fight and, and move on. How much is it also tricky in that? And I was, I was noticing this, you did great. One of the things I was impressed with was the transitioning where he gets, you can, you get him down. He starts you know, threatening the triangle choker, Darcy, you get out of it. But how tough is that when, you start realizing, crap, I can't just take him down because he, he's smart enough to know how to crap. It's not like, you know, a lot of guys face, and once you put him down, they're in trouble because you can use ground and pound, you can dominate them. How much of this was also learning experience of, okay, there's going to be guys that they know not to get freaked out. They won't just panic. They're good enough that if I take him down, they know how to, you know, threaten a choke, threaten a Darcy, threaten sleeps. I got to now learn how to become quicker in terms of, you know, going from position to position. Yeah. You know, and those, those were positions that you're always going over. Um, really it just, you know, I, I let my hands go that fight because I had to, and, you know, when I hit them twice, I, you know, like I said, I, I kind of had him rocked um, when I knocked his mouthpiece out and stumbled him for a second. And, and so for me, it was just a confidence thing of, of getting hit, you know, most fights I really haven't been hit too much because uh, I'm always taking a guy down and getting to the positions that I want to. And so this fight, that last fight, it just, it brought a lot out of probably both of us. And, and so it was good. It was good for me to go through that now and, you know, young in my career. Um, and so, like I said, I learned a lot. Um, you know, he had one choke that kind of got tight for a little bit and I found a way found my way to get out and you know those you know you have to find a way to to win the small positions and if you're in trouble okay realize that you know you're in a tough position now how are we going to get out of it and you know I'm always training on those with Wagner Rocha you know top 
10, top five pound for pound grapplers, a guy I spend a lot of time with. And so, uh, you know, I'm always asking them questions. All right, how do I change this? Okay, if I get stuck here, what are we doing with this? And, and so you learn from the best and striking with Henry Hooft. And so I have the best of the best to, to teach me those small things. And, and you just keep adding to your arsenal and adding to that library of, of uh, knowledge that you have in your head. And, and so, I, like I said, I learned a lot and I'm excited for this next fight and, and to move, continue to move forward with my career. Last question on this fight before we move on. And you mentioned before the third round and you had that choke. And you said, you know, you just, you could feel the energy going through you. It's not like you're not in good shape. You're in great shape. So for the casuals who don't get it, how tough is that, you know, when you're, you have a choke, everything's going on, and you can feel me just everything just but full dump because you've gone, you know, 10 rounds, getting punched in the face, grappling, you know, hold, trying to hold it down. He's, you know, fighting like crazy. He's taking you down. I mean, when that third round came, how tough is that just keeping the energy when it's, it's a, it's, that's a, it's a brutal fight you and him had because it's just constant attacking, wrestling, grappling. And you, after all, I'm guessing the arms are feeling like jelly because, well, damn it, you've just gone, you know, literally just, you know, wall to wall of just fighting. How tough is that third round when the mind's willing, but, you know, the body, you know, is going, no, we have no more energy. We, we're spent. We, you know, this is just, you know, these are one of those fights where you can just feel the body going, damn it, that's, this is a hard effing fight. Yeah, I mean, he sat down at the end of the end of the second, you know, on his butt. And um, that's where, you know, I, I looked at him and I knew he was exhausted and, and I knew I was too, but that's where you dig. And I, like I said, I've competed at the highest level in wrestling for a long time. I've been in a lot of tight matches where you're exhausted and you have to find a way to get that last takedown. You know, you're tired. And so that's just what it was, uh, you know, digging deep and winning those positions. And like I said, I was right there and I just made a small, small mistake with that choke and, and uh, didn't get the finish. And so, um, but when it came to, when it came to cardio and, you know, obviously it was, it was 15 minutes of grappling and throwing punches and that was a high <laughs> pace and most guys would have just not been able to be there. And, and, but you're prepared for those. That's when you just get tough. You know, you have two options, I guess, either you, you throw the towel in and, and you kind of just coast and let them get the takedown and, and kind of give up or you, you push the pace and, and try to finish the fight. And that's what I did. And, and really that's all I could, uh, you know, I did everything I could. And like I said, it's, it's always, <laughs> it always hurts to lose a split decision, but, but it's on to the next. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, if you're just tuning in, we've got Logan Storley here on the show. We're talking all things, of course, Yaroslav Amosov. We're talking Bellator 258. Uh, let's talk about the last couple months for you in terms of things are starting opening up now. And I know that for you, you know, you train in Florida, you live in South Dakota, is it getting, you know, for you more easier just getting back to normal now that you have two states, both of them, the governors have said, no, nah, what do we got to do with the master governor? You know, we're not going to go gaga over them. We're not going to go crazy. For a guy like yourself who you love to fish, you love to hunt, I'm guessing you just want to be left alone to have people, you know, just let you live your life. Is it, you know, getting easier now going back to normal, especially with two places that you call 
your work home and your home home. Um, yeah, no, uh, things have been good for us. Uh, the gym, we're a private gym there at Sanford. So, you know, we, we just went on with training like, like normal. And that was, that was really key to us is that we got to continue to work. And, and like I said, after that last fight, um, I had to take a little time off, a little injury and, and then go back to training. And so for me, it was good to, to just work on the small details during this, during this last few months, it's been, I think it'll be six months since November or whatever it is, but, um, you know, I, I'm excited. I'm ready. We've worked on the small details. I feel like I'm just starting to come into, um, into my own and, and, and getting comfortable with, with, uh, with those fights that, you know, when things don't always go your way. And, and so now that last fight, I learned a lot about myself and, and I'm excited for, for May 7th. How much do you enjoy, you know, the transition? When you say the transition, you're now a mixed martial arts fighter. That's how, how I view you now. You're no longer this wrestling prospect turned fighter. You're no longer a wrestler, MMA fighter. You've now become, in my eyes at least, a complete fighter that you can strike, you can grapple, you can, you know, you can use your jujitsu, you can use everything here. And it's all small stuff. As we said, you know, I'm noticing the fight with, you know, Amoslav, and you're able to, you know, use, you know, land the uppercuts. You're able to, you know, use, you know, the elbows. How much do you enjoy all these small things that, you know, we take for granted because you're not, ooh, ah, you know, you're going, this feels natural. I'm not thinking about it. I'm just doing it. Yeah. You know, it, it comes down to, um, it, it takes a while for, for anyone to, you know, when you go from guys that go from pure boxing, pure Muay Thai, pure grappling to get used to everything going together, you know? Um, and so for me coming from a wrestling background, obviously it's, it's mostly the striking where wrestling I've been wrestling for, you know, since I was five years old, that's just natural. Um, but then learning to get hit and giving it back and, and getting more comfortable in those ranges, that's going to take a while. And so, um, now everything's starting to come together, you know, sparring with some of the best guys in the world on a daily basis. And just, it's been, I've been four years here in Florida and, and now I feel like I'm truly starting to get comfortable with, with everything. And, um, I'm excited for, uh, excited for you know to continue to grow my skills and show showcase all my skills before i let you go and this isn't on this is just a regular question here there's people who do fishing in north south dakota and then there's people i know in florida say no no we do real fishing it's real fishing we go on a boat we go with you know it's sharks it's you know marlins <laughs> here have you done that yet have you gone on one of those boats just going all right you know i'm gonna go fishing in florida go Oh crap! This thing's bigger than you know. My, my uncle here. Have you gone big, you know, deep sea fishing yet in Florida? No, not in Florida. I've gone out in Alaska before, um, but I'm more of a I'm a South Dakota kid. You know, I, I enjoy being back home and hanging out with my buddies and going fishing there. But uh, you know, I, I I have not. I have buddies that go out here, but uh, no, I ha- I haven't spent much time out on out on the ocean. All right, so you do have fish in Alaska. So what was that like? Because those are some big suckers. Those, you know, those are huge, like tunas. Yeah. 
Yeah, that was a lot of fun. It was uh, it was cold out though one of the days, but we had a lot of fun. I did a wrestling camp out there, went out with some buddies, um, had a great time. And so that's a nice thing about this sport as well, is you get to travel doing some, you know, doing doing camps and doing doing things like that. And so so it's nice to go travel and see see different parts of the country. So I've really uh, I've enjoyed, you know, the opportunities that I've been given um, through the sport and wrestling. And, uh, you know, I'm uh, pretty grateful. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, we are proud to have on the show. I give you uh, it's all the way from Sanford MMA. I give you Logan Storm. With you. Logan, before I let you go, where can fans check you out at? Where is the Twitter page, Instagram, the website? And who are the sponsors going to be for this fight coming up? Oh, we're going to have Sanford Health, Sanford Sports Institute, um, Get Biofuels, um, and then we'll have a couple other. I'm not sure on those, but uh, they can find me at Logan underscore Storley on Instagram. Facebook's just Logan Storley, and then uh, Twitter's Storley Storm. Logan Storley, ladies and gentlemen, once again, we are proud to have him on the show. We come back. I got a young rising undefeated boxer who's going to be joining us and tell us about his podcast and a whole lot more. All this only on Last Call. Last Call with the alcohol, only on the Blue Wire Hustle Network. Welcome back, everyone, to It's Last Call. Last Call with the alcohol only on. It is the last call of the YouTube channel. Now, join me on the line. He's been here. Well, he is a busy man besides his boxing career, which he is undefeated in the pro ranks. He is also has his own podcast. And while he's going to be doing some big things coming up with uh, some drug awareness and working with local law enforcement, I give you uh, a short fuse himself. I give you undefeated uh, sensation from Ashland City, Tennessee. I give you Tyler Tomlin. Uh, Tyler, let's start off here with, I know we're talking off air and you've mentioned about this new thing you're doing with drug awareness, the local law police office, police force. Why is that a big thing for you? Like, why is that something that you're passionate about? Well, in our County, especially in Tennessee, we have a lot of drug problems. Uh, a lot of heroin, everything else has found its way into the County and it's affected a lot of people around here. Uh, it's gotten pretty bad to the point where it's just about everybody you've asked has had a family member affected. So uh, that's something we really want to talk about and make aware. And I want to get in schools and talk to the people 
my age and a little younger than I am about what kind of problems we're facing and uh, just helping any way I can, really. Uh, I actually had a family member myself affected by that. My cousin, he had uh, an addiction issue and actually ended up passing away from that. So it's something that really hit home for me. And if I can help change anybody's life, I want to take the time, whatever effort it takes, to uh, hopefully make that change in my community. How tough is that, especially in today's era where, because of a pandemic, you have a lot more people getting addicted because depression, anxiety, uh, the world has become a screwed up place, COVID restrictions. How, much, how tough it is now to get through to these people who a lot of just see it as, we just want to take our mind off of stuff. We want to get away from the real world. The real world sucks. Drugs basically take us away from that. How tough is that reaching the younger generation who looks at those, well, okay, you're, you're square, square, you know, straight and arrow. We want somebody who understands what we're going through. Yeah, and I think that's where I'll have more of an impact is I'm coming from the same place they are. I've been affected by it. But like you said, it is tough right now, especially with COVID, everything else. Uh, there's not as much to do. So people are finding themselves in some bad positions and bad habits, everything else. Some people are losing their jobs, going through depression and everything else. So uh, it's, it's a tough environment right now, but you just have to have hope that everything's going to improve and just stay on the right path. You mentioned before about, as you say, it's, this affected you personally uh, because you've had family members, you had friends. How have you avoided it? Because let's face it, it's it's very easy. You're a fighter. There's probably days where you've been very you've been injured, you've been hurt. Mm-hmm. A lot of fighters get addicted to pain pills. A lot of athletes get addicted to pain pills because of everything. How have you avoided those pitfalls? How have you been been able been able to stay away from getting addicted to pain pills? Well, I've had a really good support system around me at all times. My family is very good about supporting me through everything. And like you said, pain pills is a big one. A lot of athletes get on them, or sometimes even just kids, high school, everything else, they'll have some of these surgeries, they get prescribed pain pills, and next thing you know, when their prescription's out, they're looking for a way to get more. But uh, I've just had a great support system around me, and uh, just, I think, finding something that you're passionate about and knowing the you know, what happens when you do get stuck on something like that. Because I'm so passionate about boxing and I want to take it as far as I want, I look at some of those things, addiction and everything else, and if that happens to me, it takes me off that course. And I'm not going to do anything that's going to put what I want in jeopardy. You have your own podcast. we got to talk about that. Why is it – how did this all come about in the first place? Because I know that you also talk about this and – a drug awareness on your own podcast. What made you decide to come up with it? And how tough is that sometimes where you you dive deep into what you do? This isn't just you talking boxing. This is you talking you, life, current events. How, how tough is that sometimes bouncing all that on a podcast and literally, you know, bearing your soul? Oh, yeah, it's difficult, but I've always been an open book. So it's easy to come on things like this and talk about it and do it on our own. But uh, yeah, there's definitely some times where it's difficult. Uh, one of the main things that got us started doing it is we had a really bad weekend in our county where about three or four people just overdosed in a span of a day or two. And it just really opened not only my eyes, but law enforcement and uh, the local mayor. So we all sat down, had a meeting about it, and they just thought I'd be a very good spokesperson coming from the local schools and uh, being roughly the same age as a lot of these people that are being uh, caught in addiction. So. 
we just uh, came together and made this plan and hopefully I can get in the school soon. I know we're having some issues with COVID precautions on why I can't be in there now, but uh, anything I can do, I'm going to put forth the effort to do it here soon. How much is the podcast helping with all this? Because as you said, you can't go to the schools right now because COVID, but podcasts can reach people. So how much of this is you, you know, the podcast for you about, you know, talking to the, you know, talking to a lot of people who, they're online. They want to talk. They want to listen to stuff. And you're net, you don't have access to all these people, all these, uh, you know, these stories that people need to hear. Yeah, I think it gives me a great platform to get my voice and opinions out there without having to physically be there. So it's great that I can actually get on things like this and speak to the people. You know, that's especially like you said with COVID and everything else going on right now. I can say what I want to say and not have to go to the schools you know i can get around and mention these type of things and have these hard talks on here like you said sometimes it's difficult to speak on these issues but uh if i can get on here and reach somebody then i'm willing to have those talks we're gonna go back to all this in a bit let's take back to you the main bread and butter for you you're a boxer uh how what's been going on with you so far when do you plan to fight and how tough has it been for you right now trying to get a fight especially where you're an independent boxer you don't have a promoter so you're you're trying to find the right deal and right now a lot of promoters are looking going okay we got to take care of our own before we take care of somebody else who we're not contractually obligated to have fight in our cards yeah that's when COVID hit that was a long part of that you know you had all these fighters that were on contract with PVC and top rank, and they weren't getting those fights that they were obligated to have with their contracts. And they have a backlog of fights that they have to make. So a guy like me that's independent and coming up and has a fan base and everything that somebody, a big promotion wants, uh, I kind of get looked over sometimes because they have all their other guys to look at and get fights. But uh, we're still getting a lot of attention from these promoters. They know what I have to offer and they've been reaching out. I got to that double digit 10 and 0 mark, which excites a lot of promoters. But uh, we're happy being independent right now. We're doing well with it. We're making the fights we want to make. But uh, as soon as somebody gives us the right offer, we're definitely willing to speak on it. How tough was it for you, these let's say the last couple of fights, in that you're fighting on cards, but there's no fans. So you're literally sometimes just sitting there, you're fighting on a guy, whether it's Richard Ocampo, whether it's Gabriel Gutierrez. And it feels like a sparring session because, as you said, there's no fans. It's covid what is that like when you can literally hear his corner, you can hear your corner, and it just feels like one of those old school sparring sessions and there's just no real buzz in the arena? Yeah, we've we've uh, had a couple that, do, that have had fans. Don't get me wrong, they're very limited audience. Honestly, it's not like some of the big fights that we've been doing. But uh, like you said, it's almost like a sparring session. I can hear everything my trainers are saying. I can hear everything his trainers are saying. Uh, so you have to kind of come about it a little different. As an exciting fighter, like I like to think I am, I get some energy from that crowd. You know, when I hurt somebody and that crowd roars, I just want to jump on somebody. So it's been different. It's been difficult. But uh, we've been just staying the course, getting our wins, and keep on moving up. So when we do get fans in there, it'll be just next level. What was that like the first time you fought in terms of, as you said, usually when you're, you're a 21-year-old guy. So when you're usually fighting, you have fight week, you go out there, you, you know, you have to weigh in, you're interact with fans, you get to leave, sometimes do your own thing sometimes. The first fight, how tough was it where 
you're quarantined, you're inside the bubble, you're inside the hotel at all times. And it basically feels almost like, you know, being a little kid, restricted here. How weird was it literally having to be, you know, socially distance aware, you know, 24-7, almost up to the fight itself? Yeah, it's definitely different. Uh, you go in, you weigh in, and you're out of there. And you're right back to your hotel room not doing anything else. Uh, some of it's been difficult to cut weight. I know a lot of the times we like to go out, sit in saunas, get that water weight off of us. But just going straight back to the hotel room, staying away from everybody, it's uh, definitely made it difficult. And also, I just love interacting with fans. I love just being present with them and everything else. So uh, just missing those normal interactions, it just has a whole different feel about it, really. With everything going on with you, and, and I feel bad because, as you said, as I said, you're 21 years old. You've had to grow up even quicker. Like, what are some of the things you've missed this past year? Forget about fighting, just in general, in terms of yeah. COVID or restrictions, can't, you know, you know, hotels being shut down for a while, restaurants not being able to serve a certain amount of people, movie theaters. Like, what are some of the small things that after a year you're going, you know what? I really miss doing this. I really miss doing that. I miss experiencing this. Mm. Yeah, a lot of it's just going out with friends and everything else. As a boxer and somebody that takes this sport seriously, it's not like you're out all the time drinking alcohol when you've got fights coming up. But I know my 21st birthday, that was a big one. I just won a fight, and it was my 21st birthday, and it's not like we could go out and celebrate. It was more uh, you had to stay home and wait for COVID restrictions to go over before you got that opportunity. But just not being able to go out and do anything is the big one. Uh, it's affected some of the sparring that we got. I know right when everything hit, nobody was sparring. Everybody was uh, staying, kind of looking what was going to happen. But uh, luckily, some of those things are starting to ramp back up. I'm starting to get good quality work in again. And uh, hopefully, we, I know some of the states are allowing fans in now. I know with the big Canelo fight coming up, they're going to allow 60,000 plus. So if we can start getting back in venues like that, it'd be incredible. And I can't wait till we do it. When do you hope to get with a promoter because I'm guessing you and your team, you've gotten to that point now where you're on a lot of people's radar, 10 and 0, six knockouts, uh, the Ricardo Campo fight, nice win, TK over a guy who was 12 and 10. So it's, it's the biggest next step up. When do you and your team hope to get that offer where it's like, okay, it's worth us doing business. This promoter is worth us, you know, signing with them. Yeah. That's something we're open to right now. As long as the right offer comes across our table, uh, we're just listening to everything, but like I said, we're very happy being independent. We don't have to have anybody right now, which we're very fortunate to have. We've got the fan base. We're doing our own merchandise. We do our own video work. So we've got all the tools to do it by ourselves. but if somebody wants to come in, a big reputable name that wants to support me and put some back into me, we're always open to those offers. And uh, I mean, there's not a certain fight number I want to reach. It just, once the right contract comes across, we'll put pen to paper. How much do you also have to look at sort of where you'll be in two or three years? Because that, that also factors in. Right now you're at 140 pounds. I'm guessing, you know, within a year you're going to go, all right, I'm, I'll probably jump at the 147. I eventually might see myself at 154. Does that sort of alter sort of your thinking in terms of which promoters I negotiate with, which I don't, who might have, you know, the big names, who might not? I mean, how, how tough is it trying to figure out what you want when – you're still not sure where you're going to be in, let's say, 12 months to even 18 months. Yeah, of course. 
Well, right now I'm actually going to get all the way down to 135. I had a couple of fights at 135, a couple of fights at 140, and I just feel I'm best at 135. And I know there's a lot of action there right now, so I feel like I can put my name into that mix. But uh, like you said, it's definitely difficult uh, with all this weight class changing. I know as I get older, I mean, I'm only 21 years old right now. A lot of these champions are 24, 26. So I've got all the time in the world just to take it slow, be patient with it continue to get better and uh, continue to put on some of those man muscles, maybe get up to 140 or 147. Last question, you go as you said, you're hoping to fight in June. All this is going on here with you. What else is on, let's say, the goal list for 2021? I mean, I know usually most guys want to fight three or four times. That's going to be a little bit trickier depending on COVID. But what's, I guess, the ultimate goal for this year in terms of staying busy and being active? Oh, yeah, I'd love to just stay busy and active. Like you said, I'd love to get to 13 to 15 and 0. Uh, like you said, I'd love to get somebody to come in and sign me before I get to that mark. Just because opponents and everything else continue to get harder to find, you really need a promoter behind you that's going to put you in those good positions, put you on some of these showbox cards, on some of these 50-50 fights. I feel like I'll be ready for that within the next year mm -hmm. or two. But like, I just want to take everything slow, be patient, continue to grow my fan base and my brand along the way, and it'll all work out in the end, I'm sure of it. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, I give you it is a podcaster, boxer, and uh, anti-drug advocate. I give you it's none other than the short fuse himself. I give you it's Tyler Tomlin. Uh, Tyler, before I let you go, where can fans check you out at? Where is the Twitter page, the Instagram, the podcast network? Where can fans check you out at? Yeah, right now on Facebook, of course, at Ty Tomlin and my Facebook page, Tyler Short Fuse Tomlin. My Instagram and my Twitter are both the same, underscore Ty Tomlin. Uh, then our podcast that we're doing is called Pops Garage. I actually do it with all my shop media guys. So we're going to get that rolling again. And like you said, put some of these hard topics on there. That way we can uh, reach all of our audience. But thank you for having me on. And I really appreciate it. And I can't wait to get back to work. We appreciate it as well. Ladies and gentlemen, once again, I give you a Tyler Tomlin. Looking forward to seeing him in action. We come back. Well, we got a whole lot more going on only on Last Call. Last Call with the alcohol only on it is the Blue Wire Hustle Network. Back once again, only on Last Call. Last Call with the alcohol, only on the Blue Wire Hustle Network. I want to thank my two wonderful guests, uh, Logan Storley. Very excited having him on the show. He will be, once again, fighting this Friday. It's going to be Bellator 258, 
It is Archuleta versus Pettis and Logan Story is your he'll be in action. Wish him best of luck. Also want to thank Ty Tomlin for joining the show. And uh the good news is now he actually has a promoter. He's gonna be si- signing with Lou DeBello for now. Wish uh, hopefully this leads to much bigger fights for him. I am very excited. I want to recap over this past weekend. And now if you follow the world of boxing, let's start off with it was Ruiz versus Ariel pay-per-view. I don't know how much she can take out of it. Um, did Ruiz look in better shape? Yeah, but that was because his last fight he was 283 pounds. Uh, he was down to about 255. Ironically, Chris Ariola looked in fantastic shape. He's just... He's no longer a 12-round fighter. I think he's... The best for Chris is basically eight-round fights because I don't think he has any more of a stamina. I think he's just... He's been through the watershed because you look at Chris and he's fought everybody that, you know, it was a who's who in boxing. Uh, you, I mean, he fought Deontay Wilder. He fought Vladimir Klitschko. He fought, you know, Bermain Stiverne, uh, Tomas Adamak. There is literally, you know, you can't complain about, about his – who he's fought because he's fought a lot of top guys. But I think he's, it's it's repeated brawls. And as he even said, you know, he was never in really the best shape. He He's now gotten in much better shape. And he, as you saw, the first couple rounds, he he drops he drops Ruiz. And he's, you know, putting the pressure on. And then after, I'd say, the sixth round, you know, Ruiz Jr. just takes over. I don't know where you know if you're in your Ruiz, you want to get a change, you want to get a title shot. I don't know you know if we learned anything new though. I mean, okay, he he hits hard, and if you get in range, he can cause damage. At the same time, though, he's not he's not a knockout puncher. He's not one of these guys who's going to knock you out with one punch. He's a guy who needs three, four, five punches, and. Look, the Joshua fight showed, but if you if you stand outside and now box him, he's in trouble. Same with Joseph Parker. Ariola, you know, as I said, Ariola has just been through the woodshed. I don't, you know, he's he tires down a lot more. But we'll see where Ruiz goes. I mean, if you want, you can try to make him versus Wilder. If well, if Fury versus Joshua goes through, or if, you know, Wilder's not available, maybe against um, Luis Ortiz. That's a fight that could possibly make it happen. Um, there are some fights that, you know, are available. It's for Ruiz. It's nothing sexy yet. And to get sexy, he needs to, you know, w- you know probably win three, two or three more fights and win emphatically. We'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, also on this weekend was, ironically, of all things, Joseph Parker versus Derek Tesora. And Parker wins. That's the good news. Doesn't look great. And now you're now there's starting to be a worry. Because, you know, at one point he people people forget he was undefeated going to a Joshua fight. There were people who were even picking, you know, some people said, hey, he could possibly beat Joshua. He is that good. And he runs into Joshua and loses. Okay, no, no, no shame there. 
then he runs into Dillian White and loses. And then it's like, okay, now you're in trouble. And since then, you know, this will be his fifth straight win. But, you know, Alexander Flores wasn't that impressed. A lot of people thought Flores took a dive. Alex Apai, uh, journeyman fighter. Journeyman. The junior five, a lot of people were more high on five. Then, but Chisora fight, he does not look good. I mean, there's times where Chisora's outworking him. There were a lot of people online who I know had the fight scored for Chisora for a draw. I don't know. It's, it's maddening because it's not like Parker has lost skill. He still is a very skilled fighter. It's just It's almost like a disconnect where... He's, you know, sometimes he won't attack. Sometimes he, he will attack. The best I can say is it's a lot like, and then this is the guy who's also signed with Matchroom Sport, Danny Jacobs. You, you sort of wonder, like, okay, when is he going to show potential? When is he going to realize his potential and just go out there and just be what he is? And there are too many times he just has mental lapses where you're looking at Parker going, okay, you need to be more aggressive. You need to do this. And as I said, Derek Chisora is a guy who, you know, he should he should have won, but, you know, unanimously. He, there's a lot of people. Who, I was one of those people who thought, okay, he should knock him out. Get rid of him within eight rounds. You know, that's what I'm expecting. And Chisora, give him credit, came to fight, made it a difficult fight. But you're looking now at, at Parker going, okay, do you see him beating any of the top guys? I mean, if there's a rematch with Dillian White now, do we see any, any way he can beat him? Uh, same with Wilder. Same with Fury. Joshua. <coughs> As I said, it, it's gonna it's, it's a quagmire with Parker. He's changed managers. He's changed trainers. And it's still something that, you know, mentally he's got to figure out where he's going. But I don't know. The last thing we, we got to touch upon is and it's, this has been just heartbreaking for everybody involved. And that's Felix Verdejo. And you look and you go, what the hell happened here? I mean, really, how do you go that far off the fucking re- reservation? And as I said, it's it's still, it's only he's only been charged. He's not been found guilty. But you read what's going on here with, with uh, Verdejo. And he has his... Girlfriend who's pregnant kidnapped. They have him on video, you know, him him assaulting her. And then you find her, you know, basically murdered. And she's pregnant with his kid. And it's, it's, it is bad. I mean, literally bad right now. I mean, when the FBI gets involved, man, that's pretty bad. And, the, and my heart goes out to the girlfriend's family because they found her body in a lagoon in Puerto Rico. And as I said, it's you just look and go, how how did this happen? I mean, what the why did he do this? And the only other people I'm more upset about is top rank because basically at this point they should just get rid of the kid. I mean, literally, just he is he's involved. I mean, you can you know that as much. And if he doesn't get convicted, I have no idea what the hell goes on in Puerto Rico. But at this point, for top rank, you just cut him. I mean, distance yourself from him. Cut him. Get rid of him. He's basically garbage. And I have—I mean, as I said, I've 
I am just, I'm trying to put words into it, but it's friggin' disturbing. It is just, you look and you go, how can somebody go that far? But, I don't know. Anyway, we got to wrap this up. So, once again, for my wonderful guests, we had none other than Logan Storley. For Ty Tomlin, this is Chris Connor saying I'm out of here. Stay tuned for more, for more great action coming up only on Last Call. Last Call with the alcohol only on the Blue Wire Hustle Network.